Hey guys, Suzanne here, producer of Midwesternish. You know, this podcast is only made possible because listeners like you support it. So if you want to be a part of helping us out, go to kcur.org slash Midwesternish and click on the donate button that's on the right hand side there. Thanks. From a dot in the middle of the map, this is Midwesternish. I'm Gina Kaufman. On this episode, the Demolition Derby. Americans have been intentionally ramming cars into each other for sport since the 1950s. If you go to the county fair, you know all about it. Demolition Derby is this kind of ancient metal blood sport. You know, where you take these these machines and you kill, the you know, the machines kill each other. It sounds like the Roman Colosseum only cars. Like, this is the Midwest's Colosseum. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like a gladiator thing, you know, where you've got all these, these people, you know, in there. They've got their cars. They've been getting them ready. And they know each other's weaknesses. They know the other car's weaknesses. And they, they, they're, they go out and they, you know, destroy the other car. And, and you know, the, the last car running wins. That's Frank, Frank Morris. We work together at Kansas City's public radio station. A while back, he rode in the passenger seat of a demolition derby car, and he recorded the whole thing. You're just kind of riding, and then, unlike an amusement ride, <laughs> you know, this, this thing is kind of cobbled together, and it, there was a lot of sharp stuff, and... You know, everything was rusty in there. I was sitting on the gas. I was sitting, you know, my, my legs were over the gas tank, like a sharp, square gas tank. And uh, after the car got killed and, you know, there was, a, there was a break and everybody, you know, like all the dead cars, you know, get evacuated. And I just kind of go like hobbling over to the stands. I'm sitting there in the stands taking it all in. And this nice little kid says, mister, your leg's bleeding. And, you know, I had blood all the way, you know, down my leg into my sock. Uh, because of these two, uh, like, you know, pretty deep cuts. <laughs> I didn't even notice that I, I got. I still have a scar from it. So you were, like, legit scared. Oh, man. Yeah. People flock to the fairgrounds every year for the Derby to see people destroying cars for fun. Because even as a spectator, you can't help but feel the thrill and danger of the whole thing the speed, the adrenaline, and people have loved that for generations. But now it looks like the whole thing might be running out of gas. We will get to that, but I want you to know a little bit more about Frank and why he cares. We're ringed on the track, we're riding line. The green flag's down and I'm stopping by. It's the demo derby. So Frank and I have known each other for more than 10 years now. Isn't that something? It is crazy. Yeah. Uh, It does not feel like that long. No. He's got a mustache, a leather jacket, and this unmistakable glint of mischief in his eyes. He grew up in Nickerson, Kansas, population 1,000-ish, and he's always been kind of wild. When I was a kid, I was always getting in fights. And then when I got to be a teenager... I was kind of, uh, you know, uh, became, I think, known as a wild and reckless guy within a wild and reckless group of people. Did you think of yourself that way? Uh, yeah, kind of. 
like after I got to college, you know, when I got to college, I realized that all my friends who were like punk rockers were so wimpy, you know, compared to like my old redneck buddies, like the, the like sort of level of danger that they thought was really, uh, you know, horrifying or whatever was kind of paltry compared to these guys that I grew up with who were just bored out of their minds and just willing, willing to do anything. Redneck is a controversial term, but it's one Frank embraces as a point of pride because he looks back on his own past, like the 1970s, really fondly. You know, I had friends who could, like, pull a wheelie on, in third gear on their Kawasaki doing 80 miles an hour, stuff like that, just, you know, drag racing and, you know, zipping around uh, country roads really fast on acid, you know, doing all kinds of, like, crazy drugs and, and you know, combining that with cars, not fast cars, but, like, like sort of aggressively driving crummy old cars. That's what my little town was like when I left it. <laughs> but things are changing in rural America, in our economy, even in cars themselves. And all of that comes together in the weirdly fascinating history of this sport. It's closely related to jalopy racing. These old cars, you just race them around a track and, you know, there are crashes and stuff. It, it didn't matter because they're just old cars that were souped up. And, you know, Demo Derby then kind of exploded in the 70s, I think. It just got really, really big. I think you started seeing televised demo derbies in the late 60s, you know, wide world of sports. Look at this crazy phenomenon, the demolition derby. Uh, but in the 80s is when it really kind of reached its apex with tons and tons and tons of people participating. And, uh, you know, and then since then, it's gotten more and more rarefied, at least at the top. Frank is an adult now, at least in theory. He's a national correspondent from the Midwest. He reports on trucker shortages, tornadoes, that kind of thing. A few years ago, he went to the demolition derby at the Franklin County Fair in Kansas. Hey, welcome everybody to the, uh, I think this is a demolition derby, isn't it? Correct me if I'm wrong. The idea originally was that I was going to follow somebody, you know, finding a car, fixing fixing up the car, and then running the car in a demo derby. And I, I just think it's cool. You know, I, I, I'm not mechanically inclined at all, but, you know, uh, my dad was. I, I really respect that kind of stuff. Frank finds John Green. John loves the derby. There's nothing better. I mean, a lot of people say they would do it, but until you get in there and do it, you never know the real feeling. On this particular day, it's 90-plus degrees. You know, it's butt-hot out in, uh, in Kansas, and, and so I'm wearing shorts, you know? Just a, kind of a raggedy pair of cut-off shorts. And believe me, nobody in Demo Derby wears shorts because they're mainly, they're mainly country people. Country people tend not to ever, ever ever wear shorts and so that was one of the things that was kind of like sort of astounding to this guy that I got to ride with you know I'm like 
yeah, so this is great. I'll just get in. He's like, well, you're not wearing shorts, are you? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, it'll be fine. It's like, well, I don't think so. I don't know, that's not a good idea. I'm like, oh, come on, it'll, it'll be, it'll be cool. It's, just, it's like, well, okay, so that's that's on you, <laughs> you know. So you know how that worked out for him. But John Green also told Frank something else he wasn't expecting to hear: that the old-fashioned demolition derby is in trouble. Another year, then it's over. You think? At least for around here, there's not enough people to keep it going. Wow. Why is that happening? Why can't it keep going? So it's become expensive, really, really time-consuming, and you're having just fewer and fewer drivers. The number of drivers has just dropped off precipitously. And then also, you just don't have the same kind of ethic in place as strongly as before where, you know, just going out and hacking around with a car for a few months to, you know, run it in the demo derby was just a load of fun. And now... It's something, you know, the, the prize money's a lot higher. So it's not that no one's derbing anymore. It's that you've got rich people pouring serious money into their cars. And that makes it harder for regular folks to even compete. In some extreme cases, people are paying up to $50,000 for a car that someone else built. All they have to do is turn the key and they have an awesome derby car without ever setting foot in a garage. And the other thing is, cars have been changing. They have a lot more plastic than they used to, which is not ideal. So, you know, you, you, you can't go out and successfully take a 96 Camry up against a 72 El Dorado. It's just going to annihilate you. And so uh, these big 70s cars, obviously there's only so many of them. And so there's been kind of an arms race. As it gets harder and harder to find those cool 70s cars that just dominate, people have resorted to winning by coming up with new ways to get around the rules. So the sport keeps changing. It can be hard to keep up, and it just takes a lot of mechanical knowledge and resourcefulness to build a car that can compete. In fact, they say the real competition happens in the garage. So Frank went to a garage in Wellsville, Kansas, to meet the next generation of competitors. So yeah, Brent Palmer is is wrenching away. This is his car, and he is going, you know, pedal to the metal, getting this thing ready. Uh, this car doesn't have a drive shaft, brakes, motor, tranny, radiator. Needs bumper shocks, leaf spring clamps. It'll run Saturday. And so he's under there in crazy angles, working. He's got a couple of other buddies. Everybody's drinking. There's, there's, you know, everybody's drinking beer. There's one guy that's got a bottle of, of whiskey that, he, you know, he's just kind of like nursing this bottle of whiskey. There's, a, you know, sparks flying all in, you know, from, from the welder, from the, you know, grinder. It's pretty invigorating. This guy has got a garage, tools, and a lot of friends helping out. Exactly what you need to win these days. Back in the corner, there's a young woman working this grinder, grinding away, you know, very methodically, very purposefully working on parts. And it turns out that she is like demo derby royalty. I mean, this is what we do, this is our lives. It's having fun with family and friends. 
Shelby Miller is royalty because she comes from this whole family of derby drivers. She has an office job, but she still works on derby cars every weekend, all weekend long. And she's a driver, too. In fact, she won a pretty big derby just this past year. So, so what motivates you? What, what keeps you doing this? I would say the adrenaline rush. I mean, it's like nothing you've ever done before. It's very addicting. It kind of is my like anger management almost because I get to go out there and basically go nuts if you want to. I mean, you can do whatever. Well, you can't obviously hit him in the driver's door. There's certain levels that you cannot cross. I tell you, you know, I got, I still have a scar on my oh, leg really? from uh, the, the short uh, couple of minutes I was out. He did, he, he wasn't really set up for a passenger that well, uh-huh. and I was wearing shorts. Oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it was, it, it was terrifying for yeah. me. I mean, you know, I didn't think I'd be that scared. I thought, you know, oh, yeah, boom, boom, whatever, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I can, don't consider myself, like, easily scared. Uh-huh. I don't know why I never was scared. I get nervous when I first pull out there, like a, I'm going to big day, you know, game show. But the, after the first hit goes away, it kind of just goes away. So, but I've never really been scared. I don't know how or why, but I don't probably because I grew up around it, so <laughs> I knew what was what was expected. I think the real derbier is about to pull up. <laughs> so Doug Miller, Shelby's dad is a stud demo derby driver from the 80s. Yeah, he's, uh, he's taught me everything I know, so, and I still have a lot to learn. So tell me, uh, how did you choose your, your children's names? Well, Shelby's off of a Shelby Mustang, and Derby is named after Derbian. So I'm a gearhead, so it worked out that way. And Shelby's mom was a very credible demolition derby driver in the women's class. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a family thing. She has grown up in the shop. It's not just a, you know, a lousy sport that we go out there and smash cars and get drunk and, you know what I mean? It's complete opposite, really. It's hard work. It teaches you a ton of things that you need to... I think personally have as life skills, like being able to change your own oil in your car, change a tire, but it definitely teaches you hard work and dedication and motivation. And I mean, the hours are nuts that you put into one of these weld cars. You know, if your family's not involved in it, then you wouldn't get to see your family like at all. (laughs) Shelby and her brother, Derby, they're the future of this sport. Even their dad is changing with the times. The Millers make high-end parts for those expensive derby cars. But they are still nostalgic for the way it used to be. It's kind of a deal now. It's, money is no object to some of these people. They'll, they'll spend, oh, three to $4,000 on their cars on stuff to go in them. And back when I started, it was just a deal where you bought a car for $50, you ran the motor was in it, and you had fun doing it and drank a few beers. And it's not like that no more. So Frank, when you think about demolition derby changing or dying, does it make you sad? Well, yeah, you know, I like that kind of stuff, you know? You know, like, I, I, I like, I like that just kind of 70s hellion 
shit, you know, evil Knievel and, you know, all, all that stuff. Uh, it makes me a little sad that, that, that it, it goes away. But, I mean, you know, things change. It is sad. What's hard for me to understand, I guess, is just putting all that blood, sweat, and tears into building something just perfectly, you know? When the whole idea is that you're sending it off to be destroyed. Maybe I'm just too precious about things. But it also sounds kind of wasteful, just trashing cars. These are cars that are heading for the scrapyard anyway, by and large. And so this is just a way of getting something out of them. But yeah, you know, I mean, for me, like the image of a farmer straightening out a nail, you know, a farmer, I, I mean, this, this is this, the way I grew up, the farmers I knew, you know, you pull a nail out of the fence to, you know, fix the fence. This guy would sit there and, you know, put it on top of the fence post, bend side up and tap it down, use it again. You know, that's just the way it was. You know, my, my buddy, Luis Belastegui from Argentina, he's the same damn way. You know, he, he, he drives him crazy that people just buy stuff and throw it away. Well, rural folks at least used to be, and I think for the most part still are, you know, pretty against wasting anything. They don't like waste. Something I didn't realize about the demolition derby is that there are different kinds of derbies and different classes of competitors. So even though that sophisticated, like really expensive style of derbying is kind of taking over, there are still people doing that scrappier thing. They call it hobo class. The hobo class is supposed to be kind of the savior of demo derby. It's the we're going to scale back, we're going to tightly control the kinds of things you can do to the car. We're going to prohibit a whole bunch of modifications that anybody who's demo derbying at higher levels would do automatically. A little guy can do it. Uh, it don't cost 20 grand to build a car. You can go out and buy a car for 500 bucks and you can derby. You can be competitive. That's where it should be. I uh, ran into this guy, Hugh Griggs, who is apparently has, you know, derbed for years, used to be in the more competitive weld class, uh, but he just got sick of it. So he's back to a class where you can just basically prepare a crummy old car in the space of a couple of weekends. You know, like the car I'm driving, it's a, it's a, made in the 90s, it's... It's not half as tough as an older car made in the 70s, so I have to drive it, you know, and I can't hit real hard with it. But I have to be strategic in where I hit. A 92 Lincoln. It's not super popular among spectators, I think. Oh, that's but, sad. I mean, yeah, but, it reminds me more of, like, some kind of grown-up version of just bumper cars, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's... It's more, it's, but you know, the, it's a lower barrier to entry. But uh, you know, even with hobo class and that, and you know, the prize money's nothing. Um, you still, you have to pick your car, and you have to know about you know the the strengths and vulnerabilities of other cars out there. It's not as easy as you might think it would be. It's just it takes a lot of the the shop workout. But like. It still takes a certain type of person to do this, right? 
Well, you know, I mean, you you, you know, you, you would think so. However, I have come to uh, believe that the most successful demo derby people are not necessarily the most aggressive or the most, uh, you know, least risk averse, but they're very methodical, you know, and they're, they're smart about what they're doing and they they keep, they keep calm. They have good situational awareness. So, I mean, it really, it may be not as, as nuts as, as it appears, you know? I mean, like, you might be good at it, Gina. (laughs) I don't think so, but I am sad that the sport is dying in a way, at least in its purest form, because part of what I love about the Midwest is that there's this whole culture here, or there has been, of wild abandon, you know? Not just that, people with skills I can't comprehend, and a fearlessness that I envy, I like knowing that there's someone down the street who can get me out of a bind or kill it in the derby with a wrench and a blowtorch. Midwesternish is a podcast from KCUR Studios. It's made by me and Suzanne Hogan with editing by Sylvia Maria Gross. We're trying to put our finger on all those weird little Midwestern quirks that we all kind of know about, but don't always recognize as being special. If you have a uniquely Midwestern observation and a story that goes along with it, you should totally pitch it to us. Just leave a voicemail in less than one minute with your story and what's so Midwestern about it. Here's the number. Are you ready? 816-235-2797. That's 816 816- Two three five two seven nine seven. Your story might find its way into a live event this spring in Kansas City, or it could be an episode in season three. I'm Gina Kaufman. I love you, Midwest.